0: Hey, Blue Shirt Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirt Breakaway. Uh, this podcast almost didn't happen because we lost the ability to record because my computer didn't ask me to upgrade to Windows 10, and it did anyway. Anyway, Greg, say hello.
1: Hi. Oh, my God. Jesus. Murphy with two strikes. All he does is get hit. Oh, my mind.
0: It's, is he still batting 400 at this point in time? He's
1: over three ninety again. By the way, welcome to your column. local
0: Rangers podcast where we talk <laughs> where, where we talk about the Mets and everything that aren't Rangers because it's the off season. Hey,
1: in defense, we're actually talking about the Washington
0: Nationals right now. That's true. We we, we do talk baseball on this on this podcast. Do you remember when we promised to do some sort of baseball podcast and we kept doing this Ranger podcast instead?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we're trying to build a brand here, Ryan. We have to do things one at one at a time. <laughs> no, one at a time.
0: Just try to build a brand, you know? Build a brand. That's kind of like, right. like Build-A-Bear, right? But for Bush or Breakaway?
1: Right, and I don't think there's stores and malls that exist that could help us.
0: No, I don't think anything exists that could help us, to be fair.
1: Oof, definitely not Windows 10.
0: Oh, Windows 10. you did, I'm sure I signed some agreement to upgrade to you, but you did it while I was sleeping. That's so scumbaggy. You didn't even ask me. So uh, that messed up some of our podcast recording software, so hopefully this comes out just as crappy as usual.
1: So, yeah, well, I mean, I'm still calling in, like physically calling in on no, the telephone.
0: I know. You've been walking around your house. You made pasta earlier. I've been spending a lot of time with you. I did.
1: <laughs> I, did. I We, we were going to record this podcast. We've tackled driving. We've tackled walking. We were going to do cooking this week, but then Windows 10 interrupted.
0: Next week is shower. I'm really excited for that.
1: Or, yeah, or we might run back cooking and actually let you guys enjoy that with me. I'll have Blue Apron next week.
0: Cooking with time. Greg. Oh, we, we talk. Oh, I swear. I really do have to email Blue Apron. <laughs> we, we talk about that, that product way too much on, uh, on this podcast. Speaking of which, I had a very nice red curry shrimp tonight with white noodles. It was incredible. Um, I'm getting my first meal on Thursday. I'm very excited. First meal, first meal. Hashtag first meal. Uh, all right. You want to talk a little bit of Rangers hockey? And then, oh, uh, well, let's talk about the rundown, what we're going to do on this show, because it's just the off season and we never really have too much to talk about.
1: That, and we need to warn people that there are potential spoilers coming up later in this episode.
0: Correct. So uh, this first part of this podcast, you and I are going to go over a little bit about Rick Nash, what we think about trading him, uh, what we think about about putting him on defense. No, I kid. Uh, Then we're going to talk a little bit about the NHL playoffs, probably touch on the Mets. Then we're going to head over to the movie The Nice Guys. That will be spoiler-free. Uh, yeah, the,
1: we don't need to. We don't need to spoil anything for that movie. You're good on that end.
0: We both saw Nice Guys. We want to talk about it. It was a very fun movie. And then we're gonna go full spoiler mode, where I will say, I will seriously say, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, and we will pause for at least three seconds, and then we will be talking about Game of Thrones last night.
1: Talking or crying? I have yet
0: to decide. Okay, me either. It's one of them. Uh, so let's. Speaking of crying, let's talk about Rick Nash right off the bat.
1: Heyo.
0: Heyo, hey Ricky. So uh, there's been a lot of rumors that Rick Nash is open to be traded to one of the 12 teams he's at. We talked about in this podcast a couple of weeks ago that he might go to the Blues for a mysterious player on defense that might have grown up in New Rochelle, New York and was a lifelong Ranger fan. Uh, is that going to happen?
1: I, You know, when the playoffs started, I would have said yes, but the deeper the Blues go in the postseason, you start asking yourself, would they want to shake up their roster that much if they make the Stanley Cup Finals this year? I guess if especially if they if they win the Stanley Cup finals, I don't really see the trade happening because how often do you see a blockbuster trade between the defending Stanley Cup champion and
0: anyone? Almost never. You kind of try and
1: you try and build around the core as opposed to reshaping what the core looks like. And the Shattenkirk trade makes so much sense on paper, especially from the Rangers' side. And it makes some sense from the Blues' side as well. And it will still make sense if they can't re-sign David Beck. But, boy, the the Blues are on some kind of run. I I personally do think they will make the Stanley Cup Finals. I won't lie. I am not watching Game 5 currently, so I don't know what the score is. I
0: will let you know. Um,
1: But, yeah, you know... The trade still makes sense on paper, especially if Bacchus walks, but the longer the Blues are in the playoffs and the deeper they go, the more unrealistic I think it becomes. Just because I, I, why would the Blues want to blow it up is my question. I, I, if they make the Stanley Cup final.
0: I agree. Right now, as you and I speak, it is 2-2 in the second period. Of course it is. Of course it is. Great great playoff hockey I, I will be watching and tuning into after this game. I will also be tuning into the, the Raptors-Cavs game where the Raptors are up. Are they really? Up big. 20 points right now. Well, it's the bottom of the 4th, and the Mets are up 5-1 to one in this playoff-like
1: atmosphere in May.
0: And I want to just say that we just did a Sports center section for this podcast that was recorded. <laughs> like yes, we're giving absolutely. out the scores the exact time. So now you could you can take all those scores and find out exactly what time we're recording this podcast. Anyway, back to Rick
1: Nash. So, yeah, the Ricky. best trade on paper that we've discussed, and I know I've discussed before, is the Shattenkirk for Nash trade. Um, I... If he's willing, if he's open to be moved to the 12 teams on his uh, trade list, then I would explore trades with all 12 of those teams. Um, now, one thing you and I are going to get into, and I know you like to introduce topics, but I'm going I'm to oh. take the reins here from you a little bit. Oh, uh, being Santa. As we, talk, as we talk Rick Nash trades, I need everyone to understand that there is no way the Rangers will trade Rick Nash and immediately get into the Stephen Stamkos fray. It's not going to happen.
0: Okay, well, you stole my top, uh, my talking point there, as you probably know. Uh, yeah, I, but I want to I want to hear your opinions on it because I no, you know, there's no chance. And I think when we had Hay Peppers on this podcast, he made very good points that there's no way he wants Stamkos on this team. You can't have someone who's going to have blood clot issues and needs to be on blood thinners, who's uh. Coming, kind of coming out of his prime, is going to be thirty, uh, and you can't have that guy lead this team. You're going to sign him to a monster deal. Like, what would they sign him to? Like seven years, seven? You
1: would have to, you would have to give him something north of eight million a year as well, which is cap crippling. You'd basically be dedicating fifteen and a half million dollars to two players over the age of thirty. In what, I, what I meant Post to say, by
0: N- the way, I'm going to quickly quick correct myself. I don't know why I said Stamkos going to be thirty. He's going to be twenty-seven in February uh that being said I'm not sure he's that's such a medical injury risk like Chris Bosch has a more severe problem than Steven Stamkos does obviously in the NBA but he's not being able to play either because of blood thinners and I know that he's uh Stamkos is almost cleared to play or he might be cleared to play soon but I don't see the Rangers going after him like do they want him as the core of their team in the next seven years well, here's my thing.
1: I I think you're going, you're tackling this wrong. I do think the injury risk is, of course, something worth talking about. We're not crazy enough to say, you know, the Rangers will be a worse team with Steven Stamkos on the roster. That's that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at the Rangers going after Steven Stamkos. It doesn't solve the issue with this team at all. This team has so many holes that one big signing isn't going to do it. You need to. Rebuild the roster and rebuild the core and you don't do that by trading Rick first of all you'd have to trade you throw the Shattenkirk trade out the window right if you want to sign Stamkos and trading Rick Nash is the way you want to do it you have to take on zero salary in return and right. I don't know how you
0: move Nash
1: there aren't enough I, I, I just I, I don't see the Rangers being in a position he's also the where second highest paid Nad- left
0: winger in the league
1: Right, you're not going to trade Nash for just picks and prospects. You're, the salary will never work with whatever team you want to trade him. And, again, when the, I, I kind of made the same point when the Rangers traded for Eric Stahl, though, of course, in my mind, the Rangers weren't giving up a whole lot to get Stahl, so I was like, eh, why not? The Rangers' problem right now is their defense, and they need to completely rebuild their defensive unit. And last I checked... Steven Stamkos is a dynamic scorer and a a 50-goal-a-season kind of guy, but that doesn't help the Rangers prevent pucks from going in their own net, which is kind of their biggest problem right now. And Stamkos, if the Rangers get Stamkos and do nothing else this offseason, they probably make the playoffs again, I guess. But they're not significantly better. And honestly... Again, not saying Stamkos the player makes the Rangers worse, but the Rangers as a team would be worse next year with Stamkos instead of Nash because the defense is a year older and the defense is still the corrected. And that's the Rangers' chief problem right now. If you're not gonna solve the defensive issues on this team, there is no point in talking about signing Steven Stamkos. I'm with you. And there's also and there's also no world where you can do both. You can't Solve the defensive woes and sign Steven Stamkos because you're going to have to spend money just to get rid of players like Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl before you can even talk about bringing additional players in. So it's ridiculous. And we've spent all this time on Stamkos. He's going to Toronto. I. If anyone that listens to this podcast would like to take a bet, I will take Toronto. I will give you the field. And we can bet as much money as you like, and oh. I think I'm gonna win take, that bet. Take
0: that back! Take that
1: back! Uh... <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I'm uh, willing. I'm willing to discuss. One I, day, I I would make that bet.
0: One day, I will get you to buy a mic and not buy bets. But
1: uh, well, when when I win the Stamkos bet, I will take all the money towards the microphone.
0: I feel like a lot of people will take you up on that bet. I feel like they not... I don't think. I think smart
1: people know he's going to the Maple Leafs as well. I don't think. I don't think I'm in the minority saying Stephen Stamkos is going to Toronto.
0: I mean, you've been right on this podcast before, and you've been wrong about candy before. So,
1: I've uh, not been wrong on candy. Sure, I got you free candy,
0: so I must have been right. Fine. You've been wrong about eating food at baseball games, which is still one of the most offensive things you've ever said. No. And it's not just baseball games. It's any sporting event. Oh, my God. You're a disgusting human. Um, <laughs> I can't stand you. But I, I – ca- all right. I I don't think Stamkos for this team is the right the right option. Uh, I haven't really taken a deep look at free agency yet because I've kind of been worried about what we're gonna do with our players and if we're gonna buy out Girardi who we're gonna sign our, for our restricted free agencies. But uh, with is there really like a good defensive class out there? I mean, we're losing Yandel.
1: We're not signing him. I am them. on record. I am on record on this podcast saying the guy the Rangers should bring in is Dallas Stars defenseman Chris Russell. Um. Because he, he's a, yeah, I, I mean, it's weird to say he's a defensive-minded defenseman, but um, <laughs> he took the least amount of penalties this season, I believe, and he was just a shutdown defender for the Stars. And, you know, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, they get the big stories written about him in Dallas because they were such a dynamic pairing on the offensive side of the ice. But Chris Russell did so many things for them defensively speaking. Um, that kind of went under the radar unless you followed the stars day in and day out. And I think he'd be a perfect person to put on the Rangers line. Um, he'd be a great pairing partner with McDonough, for example. But again, it'll come down to money because I think, you know, Yandel's definitely getting North of five mil. And I think Russell could definitely approach that. I think it would be crazy to think him getting anything less than 4.5 a year. And that's, might be too rich for the Rangers. Um, and then, you, you know what, you're right, it's kind of a steep decline once you get past Yandel and Russell. and
0: It really is it's tough. Kind of a,
1: it's a hodgepodge of veterans that have uh, shaky track records. So, you know, you, 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 a, a trade would be ideal to bring in a defenseman. And, you know, we've talked about Shattenkirk multiple times now, and it seems as though there is a logical pairing in a Shattenkirk for Nash trade, and that would absolutely help the Rangers immediately. But you know, the Rangers are going to have to be creative this off season. I don't think there's any way around that.
0: And I think I'm the Rangers have to be creative. To how they do it. Creative going forward for the next couple of years. I think this team wants to win with Henrik Lundqvist, and Henrik Lundqvist is you know getting up there in age it's going to be very tough for this team to win in the next two years, and they have to decide if they're like, okay, we have Henrik Lundqvist, like, maybe last two, three years of his prime. Are we going to go all out to try and get this guy the ring here, or are we going to try and build this team going forward? Because right now, this team isn't good enough. It's just not good enough to compete in the Eastern Conference.
1: And I also don't think it's good enough to undergo... I mean, it's it's not that they're not good enough to undergo a full rebuild. They just don't have the... Get get the fuck out. Wait, I fucking love you. You're the fucking man.
0: Um, Welcome to Greg watching Mets games during <laughs> podcasting.
1: Um, no, the Rangers don't have a farm system to do a complete and total rebuild, right?
0: Nope. No, not at the, all. Their
1: best, their best prospect is Pavel, who's now here. Yep, and excited for that. It's, it's just I'm I'm I'm, ex- I'm pumped up for that, but Ushnewitz. you're just
0: you, you.
1: Unless you trade everyone, like you, you'd have to trade Stefan. You'd have to move Kreider you'd have to move zook, you'd have to move That's literally everyone to rebuild the farm system. It's not going to happen. So what the Rangers need to do is somehow remodel on the fly. And that might mean taking a small step back next year, but I think it's important to remember that you know, a small step back for the Rangers could still keep this team in playoff contention, and once you get into the playoffs, all you have to do is get hot. Speaking of getting hot, get the fuck out Neil Walker. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I okay. fucking
1: love it. Okay. Back backwards. I right. fucking
0: go. All right. Well, now that we're done talking about hockey, actually uh, one more point. No,
1: the, I don't I don't think we're do-
0: I don't think I'm not done. I'm not done either. No. I'm not let's done. Keep going. This is a hockey podcast. Let's go. Uh, I'm not done. This next year might be a, a year where our defense is just younger than you're used to being. Uh AB has to get used to playing McElrath He could be like a vital point of this team going forward. Brady Shea is going to come up and take his spot. He's looked really good in the playoffs, and I think he's going to have his ups and downs as of his rookie season. Uh, I, I don't know if this is technically going to be his rookie season, but it, maybe it'll be a sophomore, whatever you guys want to call it, because he got called up a couple times this year. Uh, but he'll have his ups and downs, and we'll watch him go. But he's going to be a good player, and he's, he's got speed. He's young. He brings a new dynamic to that defense. You're going to have to deal with Mark Stahl. I'm not sure if we're going to buy out Girardi or not. We'll have Klein and McDonough, and we'll do makeshift defense and hopefully provide better cover for Hank <laughs> Next year, because it's going to be really tough.
1: Well, here, the thing with the defensive uh, pairings, and I've said I've, I've said this ad nauseum at this point, uh, you, you have to change. You can't risk going into the season; they're, they're going to lose Yandel. That's not, you know, that's basically a foregone conclusion. But you have to change almost everything with the defensive pairings because if you stay the same, we know we're not good enough to do it. It's that simple. Um, so it, you, you got to make moves, and you got to find ways to bring in defensive talent to build around Klein, McDonough, and Shea. Which, in my mind, should be the only three defensemen guaranteed spots on the roster. I love McIlrath as much as you do, but That's my boy, um, and I, I would I would be fine with him as a partner on the third and final defensive line. I think that's for LLB. But I, 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 would, I would rather be in a situation where we're picking our spots with McElrath again because that means, you know, we've brought in at least two defenders that are top four guys, and that would be amazing for the Rangers to make that much of an overhaul on their defensive uh, pairings. Because if you're not going to fix the defense, which was the major problem for this team down the stretch and in the playoffs, then what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you're not like you're not you're not you're not moving forward. Yeah, the team can score, and you're only moving backwards.
0: If we don't bring back JT Miller, Kreider, and Hayes, or, or even two of the three, we do lose some offense there. I think JT Miller is almost a lock to be back on this team at this point. Uh,
1: I would I would bet I would bet money, not as much money as I would have uh, Stamkos going to the Maple Leafs, but. Um, of the three, I would give Miller the best odds of returning. Mm-hmm. I would say the Rangers would be wise to dangle Chris Kreider um, for pieces. And Kreider might be the guy you do trade for a prospect because you do need to build the farm system back up a little bit. Um, and Kevin Hayes, you might just have to let walk because it doesn't seem like he's gonna he's working in AV system. And uh, as great... I think Kevin Hayes could be a decent enough player on the right team, but he seems like a system guy to me. I don't think Hayes is the kind of guy that is a transcendent talent and can play in any one system. I think on the right team, he can be a very effective third-line winger. Um, I'm just not sure anymore that the Rangers are that
0: team. It's hard to lose someone that young with that much promise, but we've said the same thing about Chris Kreider for years now, and he never fully developed into the player we hoped he could be. And you know, we
1: said that we were as excited back in the day about Matt Gilroy. Remember him? Uh, we thought Gilroy was going to be this d- defensive stalwart that we can pencil in lines with Del Zotto and Gilroy or McDonough and Gilroy for years to come. And- Yo had a nice first impression and then he kind of just plummeted does, does And all all that happens in the
0: NHL yeah how's Delzada these days hey you know yeah. okay he's, all he's, right. he's, he's no he's no ghost bear that's true oh I'm, I don't want to talk about that that's that's scary that's scary times it's a lot of, there's a lot of that to come in our lives absolutely absolutely all right anything else you want to say about the this Rick Nash thing before we, get, we move on here
1: uh, no, I, I think we've set our piece. I think in an ideal world, the Rangers could trade Rick Nash for a um, solid top-four defenseman. Um, and if they can't, they should still look for, you know, picks and prospects for Nash. I just think that's a much harder thing to do with a player making as much money as Nash is. And I think people need to relax on the, if we trade Nash, let's get Stamkos stuff, because that just... That doesn't solve any problems, and you and I agree on that.
0: I agree. Also, I'm pretty sure my Skype just went off because I got another call, so I'm sorry to our listeners. Not that you expected good, uh, good quality from this podcast. You know what you're getting into here, guys. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the playoffs. We don't. I haven't really been t- playing too attention, but I did see the Penguins lost last night to a backup goaltender in uh, Tampa Bay. I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Vasilevsky's been really good this series. That's actually the one series I've been watching Uh, because I have some good friends down here from Pittsburgh that are big Penguins fans. So I go over there for the games occasionally. Um, The HPK line is something special. And how many times have we now seen Carl Hagelin just take his performance to another level in the playoffs? That guy, when the lights shine bright, he knows how to play. And, man, that just hurts to see, because you kind of wish – in hindsight, and of course hindsight is twenty twenty. And of course he did not look like this kind of guy early in the season with the Ducks.
0: Oh, he looked like he looked garbage
1: until like, he got to he looked like a lost looked like a lost cause. But boy, he's just him, Bonino and Kessel have just clicked on a way that, you know, Haglin clicked with some line mates with the Rangers. And he's he's such a fun player to watch. But it's incredible how Passive and quiet Crosby and Malkin have been that entire series. And you keep waiting for one of them to break out, but they're now in a 3-2 hole going back to Tampa Bay. And the Penguins, the old adage in football is, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Yep, And that kind of applies to playoff goalkeeping. If you have two goaltenders, you don't have any goaltenders. Because the last thing you want to be doing going into a game is have uncertainty about who's going to be in the net.
0: And that's what they're doing now. You,
1: they have, you have no, I have no idea who's going to start game six for them. I, I think it should be Murray. I don't think they have ever should have benched Murray. Um, but boy, I, this is the worst case scenario for them going into a game six on the road where you don't even know who's going to be between the pipes.
0: I think they're actually playing game six at Pittsburgh. Am I seeing that correctly? I could be wrong here. No. Could be wrong. No, it has to be in Tampa Bay. What are you? What are you talking about? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. I was uh,
1: sometimes I'm right. I
0: was looking at Game Seven, unfortunately. Um. All right. So, what about this Shark series? The Blues are actually up three-two now. I haven't really watched a lot I, of this either.
1: I. I mean, I've I've told you since uh, since round one. I really like the Blues this postseason. I just think they got everything clicking and. They're in a scenario where they're just to completely walk back everything I said about if you have two goaltenders, you have none. The Blues have two legitimate starting goaltenders.
0: Yeah, but Elliott's a beast. And he's been playing on his head. Yeah.
1: Um, it's, it's time, but that series has been so weird because it, well, it was like a 2-2 series going into the night, but each team has blown the other team out twice. Like two of those games on each side have not been close. Like didn't the sharks win like a six three game over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, the last
0: game they won this game four was six three. Yeah, so that series has
1: just been haymakers left and right. And one night one team has it, the other night the other team just uh, the other team has it. Um, but I, I like I like the Blues. Um, and I gotta tell you, I said whoever won the Capitals Penguin series was gonna win the cup if the Lightning beat the. <laughs> penguins yep. not only am i wrong i i think it's advantage blues or even sharks at that point and i think the west coast i think the two best teams if the penguins lose both teams in the west i think are better than the lightning
0: totally agree with you and i think the west will end up winning if the penguins don't win here
1: so and, and you start to wonder if like enough cracks have been shown in the penguins armor that it might be too little too late for them anyway and maybe they
0: never get their mojo back it's possible all right so let's let's go around uh some other sports real quick. We'll, do, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to the Mets in, in one second. I want to touch on, just touch on NBA for like a little second sure. here. Uh, the sure. Ra- the Raptors are up like 57 to 41 at halftime. I'm really interested to see My how that God. game plays out. Especially because I thought the Cavaliers were going to sweep the Raptors. So I know you guys already know the results because it's the day after when you're listening to this. Um, but that, that'll that be exciting if that goes to 2-2. Especially if the Cavaliers end up losing this series. That'll just be the, the worst finals of all time. Um Whatever that ends up being, either OKC or, or the Warriors. Also, OKC blowing out the Warriors after Draymond Green kicks Steve Adams in the nuts.
1: Talk about more, like, when was the last time we had a close NBA playoff game? I can't. I feel like every game so far in the conference finals has been nothing but blowouts.
0: couple Spurs Thunder games were close. Yeah, but I think you have to go back to, like... Game three, um, game four...
1: Yeah, some of the early games. I honestly can't remember the last time I was watching a NBA playoff game, and the last two minutes of the game mattered.
0: Right. By the way, Draymond Green not suspended for blatantly kicking him in the nuts.
1: Yeah, I had a I had an interesting idea about that that we talked amongst a group of our close friends. Um, if if you're the NBA, that's a weird situation to be put in, right? Because you don't want to suspend one of the most important players in a conference finals, right? You want the best players on the court. Yes, you do. So you should give Draymond Green an option. You should tell him, look, we have to suspend you. You can either sit out game four or you sit out the first 10 games of the next season. Not that kicking Stephen Adams in the nuts is worthy of a 10-game suspension, Nope. but you have to make the suspension total high enough where Green has to think about it. And I think 10 games is a high enough total where Draymond Green would, like, he'd have to sit down with Warriors management and really think about that.
0: Yeah, he really would. And obviously it would be his paycheck that he'd be getting cut there. And that that would be tough. I mean, to be fair to him, uh, Odor only got eight games for punching Joey Bats in the face. Right, but you're, yeah, but, you know, again, I know. And I I
1: specifically said, like, you have to make the suspension number high enough in the regular season where the player has to think about it. Because think about it, what's, you know, 10 out of 82, that's like 15% of the regular season. And that's 10 game checks that Draymond Green would not be getting. So you'd have to sit back and think to yourself, Jesus, do I want to sit out a must-win game four in the playoffs. I don't even think it's a win. question
0: for him. I think he... I think he
1: takes the 10 games. He, he would take the 10 games. In a heartbeat. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I, but I, I think that number is appropriate enough where you're forcing the player into a rather difficult decision. And I think that would have been an interesting way for the NBA to handle that situation. Because he should have been suspended. There's no question about that. I just don't know if that suspension should have happened in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that was pretty blatant. I mean, you can't really. That was a high jump. He, he
1: kicked them in the nuts, and he, it's the second time he's gone after Stephen Adams' is nuts this
0: year. I've, I haven't fallen in love with a player like Stephen Adams in NBA in a long time. I love that guy. He just looks he's like amazing. a dark alley he's man, amazing. and he's just a, he's like got like three fractured vertebrae, his hand's broken, and he's out there playing super hard. He's so, a stick man. He is a stick man. By the way, part of the Harden trade, in case you are wondering. Yeah, he was the draft pick they got. Yep. Worked out. It's working out for them right now. So uh, we'll see. Oh, yes. See how that plays Absolutely. out. So that's the most NBA we've ever talked on this show, so I hope you, you guys are still here. Uh, let's... Might be the
1: most NBA we
0: ever talked that's... on this show. No, I think we'll talk a little bit more about as this Western Conference goes on. That's, that's a... I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I guess you're we'll right. Uh, maybe. We'll see. we'll see. That's a good series. That's fun. That's fun sports right there. It's fun sports, everyone. Uh, mm. Speaking of fun sports, how are the Mets doing, man?
1: Well, Bartolo Colon's hitting. So if you hear me, just like shriek like a little girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. We all know. It's seven. It's seven to one Mets right now. They they ran Gio out of the building. I'm I'm quite surprised. They were down when they were down one nothing after leaving two guys on in the first inning. I was like, ah shit, we're gonna lose again to the fucking Nationals. I honestly panicked. I I, I went full panic mode, and then David Wright hit a three run bomb and. Things have just been looking up since. Bartolo Cologne has no interest in swinging a bat this
0: game. This is incredible. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about the injuries going on in your team right now?
1: Not great. Um, Of course, the big news today is Lucas Duda has a stress fracture in his lower back, which is the same injury David Wright had a number of years ago, and he ended up missing just about 60 games with the injury. Um, So I think that's a realistic timeline for Lucas Duda. So the Mets, you know... From what it sounds like right now, it sounds like the Mets are going to kind of do patchwork for the next week or two. Uh, Wilmer Flores comes off the DL this weekend. The plan is for him to be playing first base almost full time. I think we'll see some Michael Conforto getting some innings at first base in order to get Juan Lagares into the lineup um, in center field. But I, I, it, by all means, it sounds like the Mets are preparing themselves to go outside the organization for a left-handed hitting first baseman, which begs the question, where, who's available? Yeah, who's that? And where is it going to be? I, I, I don't know. Um, there had been talk, and of course this guy is not a left-handed hitter, but the Brewers were in town this weekend, and the talk started to grow because there are plenty of injury questions with Travis Darno and Kevin Plowacki just hasn't been good enough in his stay that the Mets would look to make a move for Jonathan Lucroy. And oh. you, could still, you could still make that move because Lucroy has some first-base experience, and the Mets have talked plenty about getting Darno out from behind the plate because the injury issues keep happening. And Darno has a good enough bat where maybe it plays at first base because he still hits for enough power. So that talk is there. Where the, the, the real question is, you know, what would it take to get Lucroy? And I, I, fear that that answer might be someone like Dilson Herrera. And I'm not sure I would be 100 percent comfortable with that trade.
0: I agree. Um, uh, I think Lucroy still has a couple years left in his contract. No, I think he might have one.
1: And it's a very, it's a very team. I think it's two years left on the deal, and it's very team friendly. It's uh, a very good deal. I know. But uh, I was, I was talking with good friend of the pod. Uh, Joe Binks today. Joey Binks. And and while the Mets would have a fit for Lucroy, there's about four teams in the American League that are in the race that don't need a catcher and everyone else does. And I think a team like the Texas Rangers could trump a Met package any day. Like if the Rangers Rangers decide Joey Gallo for Jonathan Lucroy, which I think is an incredibly intriguing deal and I think a fair deal, uh, I, I, the Mets. I don't think the Mets can touch that offer. Luke Roy has one
0: more year on his deal for five point two million. He's turning thirty. That's a, that's a steal. He's what thirty? He's going to turn thirty next year. That I mean, that five million dollars
1: for arguably one of the top five catchers in baseball? Not that's, uh, not
0: not arguably, really. He, he, he is one of the top. He is one of the top in five catchers. Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I, if you're the Rangers, you got to think. You got to think hard about trading Joey Gallo for Jonathan Lucroy. If you think you're one piece away, which they might be, you know, Shinsoo Chu can't stay healthy, but Nomar Mazar has been great. Uh, Josh Hamilton is not coming back. Chu came off the that's DL. That's been decided.
0: And he was like, and "Oh, my him. hamstring's fine." Then he like ran a little bit. He's like, "Oh, I'm back on the DL." <laughs> right. So you you got to think if
1: you're the Rangers, that's a move to make. Um, and, of course, but, you know, if you're the Rangers also, do you add a pitcher instead of – like, everyone has questions. The, the thing for the Mets is they need someone at first. Now, my best theory was moving Neil Walker over to first and bringing up Dilson Herrera and running your infield as Walker, Herrera, Cabrera, and Wright. And I think that's a very good infield.
0: Walker, Herrera, um, Cabrera is just fun to say.
1: Right. It's just, um, it's just fun to do. But, of course, and, you know, in fairness to Walker, he doesn't really want to do the move because he's a free agent after the year and he wants to be paid as a second baseman. Um, moving Conforto to first is fine. My fear is I just don't want to fuck with Conforto. I want to leave him as is. I don't want to mess with him at all, and I don't want to try and teach him a new position and maybe negatively impact his bat. But at the same time, Conforto to first. Now Lagares gets to play every day, and you put Cespedes in his natural left field position – and just like that, your up-the-middle defense is incredible because you have Gold Glove McGarris in center and Gold Glove Cespedes in left. Um, but it, it does feel like, you know, the Mets, they need another stick now, especially since I, I still don't know when Darno will come back. And, and Darno has played terribly this year. Oh, he was When awful. he was
0: healthy. He was terrible. So
1: it's not like Darno is some knight in white armor coming off the DL. Uh, so the Mets, they're in a bit of a position. Um, the good news is, unlike last year before the trade deadline, this is the first time the Mets actually have some internal options. Like, you can kind of mix and match for three weeks to figure things out before you need to make a move. Give Flores a shot. If it doesn't work, give Conforto a shot. Um, if that doesn't work and LeGarris isn't hitting you decide. Give you give know, Walker or even David Wright a shot over at first, and then you can bring up Herrera. And Herrera's got nothing to prove in Triple A. He's ready to go. He's He's been mashing there for over a year. He was hitting three three
0: twenty there last year. I don't know what he's doing this year. He he's uh, he's slashing.
1: I looked it up today. He's at two eighty three, three twenty, five thirty one. Okay. With a WRC plus of one twenty four. Yeah,
0: he doesn't really have anything else to do there. He's he's good. And Um, and he's twenty one. So give him the shot. Yeah, and you know the Mets expect him to
1: be a full time player next year. Like. No bones about it. The Mets do not plan on bringing Neil Walker back. They plan on Dilson Herrera to be the 2017 opening day second base. So, you know, this Mets team has options. If if Duda got hurt first half of last year with the Mets, uh, I think they might have packed it up and called it a season. And we would have never gotten Cespedes or made the moves that they made. Um, So it'll be interesting because – I think they do need an, a bat outside the organization. I don't think they need one tomorrow. I think they're fine for the next two weeks. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the names are that pop up in trade talks. And Croy, of course, is like pie in the sky. That'd be great. Uh, I don't expect it to happen. I don't either. I'm, ex- I'm expecting something along the lines of when the Mets made the trade with the Braves last year for Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting something like that. Maybe – um, Solarte just came off the DL in San Diego. He's an interesting left-handed
0: bat. That's interesting, actually. I kind of like Solarte in like a sneaky way, you former Yankee.
1: And because, you know, the expect, I don't expect Dude to be out for the whole year, but I expect him to miss just about the next two months, I would say. And, and even, when even that, when you come back, back
0: for something like that, you're not the same. No, and Solarte would be a really nice bench bat
1: for the Mets uh, moving forward.
0: But, you know, we'll have to see. I, I don't know
1: what the who the name is right now, and I think it's a little early in the year for that name to be there because, you know, if you, besides the Braves and the Twins, what team is out of the running? I don't know if any team is ready to pack it up and call it a year except those two.
0: No, that's it. Uh, before we move and on to some of the other things, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Matt Harvey. Is, is he skipping the start still?
1: No, he's pitching tomorrow against, or as people listen to this, he's pitching today against Straussburg. And, uh, you know, if things go poorly tomorrow, uh, I really don't know what the plan is. That's a conundrum I can't figure out. Uh, I, If the Mets decide he needs, like, a rehab start or, like, a phantom DL stint, honestly, if he has a poor outing tomorrow, I think the phantom DL stint is the best option. I think that's the best I, Plan too. I, you, you, I, I just I don't know what the answer is, and of course you know um, it's fair pointing out that Steven Strasburg was equally abysmal in the first six weeks of last year for the Nationals. He had a 5.93 ERA halfway through May, and Harvey right now is at 5.77. Obviously, not good numbers, but we Strasburg's fine now. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball again. It's the the stuff is still there with Harvey. It's just something isn't. And I, I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to know what it is. But I, I think if tomorrow goes poorly, uh, I, I, I think the Mets have to put him on the DL. Just say it's arm fatigue and give him them, give them two, three weeks away from having the pitch every day. Because that's another great thing about the Mets is, you know, Logan Verrett is a fine fifth starter. Sean Gil Martin, who's down in AAA, is having a great year. People forget Rafael Montero used to be the Mets' top pitching prospect when uh, Jacob DeGrom got the call. Like, they have options to fill in for two to three weeks. Yeah, and they'd be fine. You'll be okay. And and you, you just you got to figure it out. And I don't think throwing – if Harvey gets blown up against Strasburg again, throwing them every fifth day is not going to help them. You got to – you, you gotta try something and I, I, I don't know what that something
0: is. I'm with you. So that that was a nice little memets update you did there. I hope everyone listening. I forgot this is a Ranger podcast. But uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hey, we did we did some in depth good Ranger talk.
0: And for the first time in like match. three weeks, very good on us. Uh, so yeah. now now we're gonna talk a little bit about the movie The Nice Guys. You and I saw both this movie. Great mo- movie. Great movie. So when you came into this movie, did you watch the trailer? Or what were you expecting? Uh honestly I didn't think the trailer did it much justice.
1: The the trailer didn't tell me. Um I'm with it you. did not con- I didn't see the trailer and be like, I gotta see this movie. I saw the trailer and been like, Man, what happened to Russell Bro? Like that was honestly my first reaction to it. I, I had no hopes. And then, you know, reviews started to come out and I was like, oh, wow, this movie's getting a lot more buzz than I expected and someone made the connection, uh I, I, I think it was one of our friends. Um, I don't know if they got it from another source or anything like that, but someone said it's kind of like a throwback '70s style version of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, well, which is one of my favorite movies
0: of all time. I know. Will tell and you. That, do you know why it's like that, Greg? Go on. It is the same director. Is it really? It is. That's why it's like that. Oh, I had no idea. Yep. Um, great. It it was it was a fantastic
1: ride from start to finish, and we will not spoil anything. Nope. Gosling um, and Crow were a perfect pairing
0: I have to uh, say this before you go on I am a, I'm a very big Ryan Gosling fanboy he nails this movie every line he says just delivers perfectly uh, everything was so funny his character is so well thought out and just so disoriented as a human being and because I love him in Lars and the Real Girl, Drive is one of my favorite movies of all time Drive is
1: sneaky good as well. Oh, it's
0: so sneaky good. It's also got like that neon 80s music, which I'm like so into. It hurts me. Uh, But in this movie, it's just like there's everything that's cliche about Buddy Cop movies. It does not happen in this movie. Just just to be clear.
1: And the thing I liked most about this movie is it was unpredictable, which I think is taken for granted in movies these days. Every time the movie was getting ready to swerve and you kind of felt the swerve coming, you would try and predict how it would and it went against every movie trope that we've seen how many times oh. um, and we're not we're not giving any spoilers here that's all i'm going to say like every time it takes a turn it comes to a fork in the road you don't know if it's going right or left and those kind of movies are the most enjoyable because i want to i want to be entertained and i don't want to know what's about to happen and that's what the nice guys was i had no idea what was about to happen at every corner and it was, it was just, it was fun. It was funny. It was uh,
0: well-directed, well-acted. Um, there were, you know, there boobs. Boobs are nice. I enjoy boobs. Hey, you know, a great Paris is always a joy, right? <laughs> yeah, very, I could not recommend this movie anymore. And
1: if you haven't seen Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, uh, I cannot recommend that movie anymore because it would actually make you appreciate Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark even more. Because like, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Robert Downey Jr. was trying out for Iron Man before he even knew it was going to be a movie. It feels it feels like now that now when you go back and watch that movie, you're like, is he basically just like
0: reading scripts for Iron Man in this movie (laughs) the (laughs) entire time? I will say that uh, when I just to throw it to this this, uh, comparison to another movie. Saw so the Martian in theaters when whenever that came out, and the Martian was a great movie. It was really enjoyable, but you knew what was going to happen the entire time, so that kind of ruined it for me. I mean, I don't want to spoil the Martian, but I think you guys, everyone out there, kind of knows what happens, right? <laughs> like we're not. Uh, he, he grows potatoes. Yep, that's it. Ship potatoes, and that's it. <laughs> he eats potatoes till he dies. That's the whole movie. I'm glad we're we're all on the same page. But when yeah, you no, I'm 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 all I'm all with you on that. Don't mean to
1: cut you off, but I, I any fine. movie where I can just be surprised like um, another movie that I was actually given a little bit of crap and I don't know if people enjoyed it as much as I did I really liked Interstellar because that was another movie where I was like what the fuck is happening here I, never and got, I had
0: no like, never got the chance to see it I, I well see I never
1: saw The Martian um, okay. I think you'd like Interstellar Probably I would. think uh, yeah it, it, it's a bit it's a bit of a thrill it it, it it fucks with your head a little bit and you know I like movies
0: like that same and just to get back to the nice guys for the last thing, if you have if you like on the fence about seeing this movie, go see it. It's 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 probably the most like complete enjoyable movie. I mean I just I saw Captain America Civil War, so I can't really I know you haven't seen that yet, Greg, but that's that's an A plus movie and it's it's so rare to have two A plus movies come out so close to each other.
1: It's worth it's worth the ten dollars. It's worth the movie ticket. Like if you're sitting there telling yourself, well, I'll just wait until it comes out No, on go, go or see this one. Or whatever, nah, go go see it. Go see it in theaters. It's a fun it's a fun movie. It's a good date movie. Um, oh, it's a
0: great date it, movie.
1: Yeah. It, you know, take 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 the girlfriend, take the boyfriend if you're a female listener of the pod. You know, it's an enjoyable night out. You'll have a lot of laughs, you'll have a lot of fun. Um Brian Gosling is great. Russell Crowe is great. Oh, I love that
0: uh, guy in this movie. Also, the the who, his daughter in this the girl movie who plays, kills it. The girl who plays Holly is amazing. Kills it. Um, even even the one minute that we get
1: the the her friend Janet in the movie was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Janet! You took the Lord's name in vain. No, I didn't. No, you didn't.
0: No, I was just using it for effects, <laughs> Janet. <laughs> it's amazing. Jessica, great movie, Jessica. Not, your sister is such a slut. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> uh, I, I another, hope you all go see this movie. Line. There's so many good lines in just, this movie. It's incredible. So, um, oh, yeah, it's just, it, I, was, I forgot about that line. That's it's, it's, it's a good callback. A great movie. I, I'm going to watch that movie over and over again when it comes out on HBO. Which I, I believe it will. Yeah. Well,
1: I think we've segued perfectly to get the press now. Oh, Why we not? have.
0: We have. Okay. Spoiler alert, everyone. It's been a great time having you here. If you haven't watched. Last night's or two nights ago's episode of Game of Thrones, which is episode of five of season six called The Door. If you have if you,
1: if, you, if you have not watched that episode, thank you for listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway. It's been fun. Turn us off right now. You do yeah. not need to hear anything else we're about. Yeah, like,
0: why are you still listening? We're going to talk spoilers. I don't want to ruin anything for you. Thanks for hanging out. This has actually been our best podcast in three or four weeks. So, uh, I hope you got something of value for this, and we'll see you guys next week. But for right now, we're going to talk about 54321, spoiler season, The Door. Greg, uh, I watched this episode uh, this morning at oh 6 a.m. because I was unable to watch it. Uh, at it's premiere time, and I avoided Reddit and Facebook like the plague. Now, uh, my roommate politely told me, this is the saddest episode of Game of Thrones. And I, and I thought to myself, what could happen that it would be so sad? Okay. I'd not predict this.
1: I, I've i said this to anyone that has watched the episode that I'm not spoiling anything for. Game of Thrones is a TV show where you go into every episode knowing anyone is fair game as far as getting killed. We've seen it Time and time and time again, like foolish of us to think any character is safe from any blade, right?
0: Oh, and very foolish.
1: It, it wasn't. It wasn't just that. Like I would have been sad anyway. Hodor died. I think I would have been upset. But I, the way, uh, just like seeing, oh, just seeing the manifestation from young Hodor to current Hodor. To figuring out why he always says Hodor.
0: Oh, when, to let, just let's go through looking. it, let's go through it really slowly, because... I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, I honestly, uh, like, I was okay. like, there was, there, the egg was in the throat, the eyes were welling up. Oh, I cried, so I, I don't really cry for media, I'll, I'll reveal some things right now. Media doesn't really make me cry too often, right? I cried during Toy Story 3, super hard, I think twice, um, uh... I don't think I've really cried from anything else of recent, but when he, in, Inside, when, inside out. Oh, inside me out. Right in the bing bong, bing inside bong. Inside out killed me. Oh, uh, that was... Inside a, out killed me. That was a good one, too. Damn, Pixar. Um, but when you see the kid, like, start to have a seizure, and he's getting warged into, Willis, uh, and he's just, like, making the connection, and he's going, hold the door, hold the door, and then he slowly goes to Hodor... It, I let loose. Like, the faucets were on. It was it was over. I it, It's just like... Uh, like, Hodor is literally the lovable giant. Like, I don't know if you've read... That, you, you have not read the books, correct, Greg? I have not read the books. Okay, so in the books, Hodor is more prominent, and literally all he says, as you would guess, is Hodor. And I've never... You would never put that connection together that his whole life and his whole reason for being was saving Bran at this moment. And I I know we're still in limbo of what exactly happened there, but it so, that is such good writing. It hurts me inside. It makes me so angry how good it is. It it was crushing. And there was there's no debt on the show that was anywhere
1: near as crushing as that one was. It just
0: Rob it, Rob it, it is was, close. Rob is close. I see I
1: disagree. Like I, I, season one, we're what, six, seven episodes in and Ned Stark died. Like, as soon as that happened, I was like, I get it. Anyone can die at any time. That's true. Totally understand. So, like, when, and I think um, it probably didn't help that I did not watch live that season for the Red Wedding. So, like, I heard everyone was like, holy shit, the Red Wedding. And I was like, I have no idea what everyone's talking about. And then I finally caught up and I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Well, I, I
0: read the book and I had to go to a friend's house who already read it, and I just sat next to him, and he was like, "Dude, I know. I felt exactly like you."
1: <laughs> yeah, but like that one, like uh, that one was more shocking than it was upsetting. Um, you're like, "Holy shit, this guy too." That's like, true. It, it like it took you a step back. Hodor was legitimately upsetting in the form that, like, the eyes welled up, the knot was in my throat. I can't believe this is happening. The dude is giving his life for his little paralyzed friend. Mira can't do anything but run away because she's trying to save Bran. Everything is crashing and burning here. I now understand why he's saying Hodor all the time because it's hold the door. I am dying. This is terrible. It, oh, all the
0: emotions are coming up. Uh, it, I cannot do this. It, it slayed me, Greg. Slayed me. I haven't felt that I, shitty watching something in a long time. <laughs> honestly the
1: last the last movie that I got like upset during it probably was inside out and that was like a movie where i was i went i went solo to like an eight o'clock showing and it was me and six other people and all just at the, at the same time during the same scene, all of us do a little <clears throat> like <laughs> like when things are starting to get heavy yeah, Like, yeah. I think it was and then oh, that one was bad, and like the whole thing is like. I want to go back and rewatch the episode because so many important things happened oh. in that episode that are like building towards other things, but I can't do it because I don't want to put myself through that ending again.
0: I, I watched I just I watched after the thrones and they literally show the, pretty much the entire scene again. It oh, was, it was, so
1: I know what I'm it, not watching. It yet. was like
0: all the, all I needed. It was just like a re-triggering. It was, it was bad. Oh man, I'm going to miss Hodor. It was, that was a, that's the best episode of Game of Thrones in a long time. Probably since, I guess episode nine of last season, probably episode eight.
1: This entire season has been great because it feels like we're all getting so much new information all at the same time. Like finally, like book, book readers and show watchers are on the equal playing field. And that's an exciting feeling that literally nobody knows what's happening. And I think that puts pressure on every episode and, I know we've talked about this off air before, but it feels like every episode is lightning fast. Like oh, you look it's down incredible. at your phone, you look down at your phone, and all of a sudden it's nine forty nine, and you don't really know how you got there. Um, which is fun and also kind of annoying that the shows are only an hour long. Like I wish I could just watch all ten hours at once and knock it out. Um, but last night was honestly one of the best episodes we've seen in a long time, and. So-
0: so much. I, honestly,
1: I uh honestly like I watched Silicon Valley and I watched Beep afterwards and I did not didn't laugh. I did not digest I didn't digest <laughs> one thing that happened in either of those shows. I didn't watch you, Valley like yet, you, but if someone uh if someone was like Greg, I have three thousand dollars, summarize what happened on both Silicon Valley and Beep, and I give you this money,
0: and I'd be like no. I, I, Hodor died. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. I, right. I don't know. Before we go, buddy, let's make some quick predictions. I know we didn't talk about all of Game of Thrones. We only talked about that one scene because that's really what I wanted to talk about because I, I just needed to get my I mean, emotions out there. Um, that, I, again, I, I just told you, like, so many things happened in that episode, oh, but incredible. that entire episode was the last ten minutes. Oh, it really was. That that whole episode was was incredible the entire way through, though. And uh, between grayscale and the the king's moot and the king's moot, which was kind of like pretty quick, and like he just gave his second speech and that was it. It's like okay, second speech. I'm the king. Can't, can't can't have this woman be king, I guess. And he's like, my favorite is like he turns to his guys, like, "Let's go find my niece and nephew. Let's murder them." I'm like, what? <laughs> what? That's what we're going um... to now. Yeah, it was quick, and at the same time, they're just
1: like, I know what I'm going to, my first thing as queen is, I'm going to kill you for killing my dad. Yeah, I did kill him. Long overdue, you're all welcome. Yeah. But damn, you got, uh, Yeah, that was got balls.
0: I did not see that coming, and, and then everyone was like, <laughs> yeah, actually, that guy makes a great point. He wasn't great.
1: Yeah, yeah he kind of sucks. I totally understand now.
0: Yeah. Um, how do you think Brand's getting out of this? I have a theory for non-book readers, but I won't say it. I mean, I won't say my theory, but I want to know your theory as a show watcher.
1: Um, you know, again, uh, this is a show that's taught us that sometimes characters don't get out of this. So on one hand, I want to be like, well, I'm not sure Brand does get out of this, but on like, the other hand, they've, they, I feel like they've made Brand so important. I feel like Bran's too important. Yeah. He can't go yet. Um, if he does go, maybe it's like the season finale, but, um, I think there's
0: four characters that are untouchable and I think Bran's one of them.
1: I would say Brand, Danny, Tyrion, and Jon. That's
0: it. Those are the four.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we've already seen Jon die once, but uh, (laughs) we're we're saying a guy that is literally not that has been dead and brought (laughs) back to life is not is untouchable. Yes, I agree. Um, What happens to Brand? So, someone made this point. Our good friend Alex Hurd found an article online that had a theory. Oh, I like Um, I like the theory a lot. Uh, That, you know, Bran was touched by the Night King and that broke this magical curse that allows the Night King to get inside um, what was the nest of the Three-Eyed Raven. And now maybe the wall has something magical about it as well. And if Bran crosses that barrier, it'll break the curse. Um, So you're kind of hoping that Bran stays north, but you would think his instinct is to go back south.
0: Oh, that, um, he's definitely going to try and go to the wall. He's Now, dang. I got another I got another theory for you, because I haven't heard this theory before. But okay, our, I'm our, excited. Our, another, good, another
1: good friend of ours, uh, Mike Arajema sent me this one literally minutes before we started podcasting. Um, we all know R plus L equals J. I think everyone understands that theory now, right? Right. Would I be inaccurate
0: in saying that? Yeah, but let's not spoil it for uh, for anyone that doesn't know. Uh... Okay,
1: I will not say anything. Well, I'm... I'm kinda of gonna spoil it for anyone that hasn't heard it. I'm so I apologize in advance. Mike found a theory that John has a sister. Oh. Not Sansa, not Arya, but that John and Mira may be of relation. Oh John and Mira. I've never heard this theory but I've never heard this theory before. But um, everything kind of goes back to at the end we have three dragons, right? So you would expect three rider, one rider for each dragon. And I think we're safe enough to say Danny and John are two, but the third one's a bit of a mystery. No, the 3rd one I, is...
0: one's—I know what the third one is. Everyone does. But I'm not going to go. Or into you're going to say you're going to say it's Tyrion, right? That's correct. I see.
1: I kind of hope it isn't, and but the, really the only hope of it not being would be someone like Mira. Who would be John's sister, and we just never knew because because she's Howlin' Reed's kid. Well, we're told she's Howland Reed's kid, and who was at um, the Tower of Joy with Ned? Howlin' Reed when Helen Reed when he found his sister and supposedly John. So is that, it that's the theory correct? It, that's the theory. So is it crazy to take that theory one step and say there were actually two
0: kids? No, that's not that's not crazy. It's not, I don't, I, I've heard way is, crazier, uh, when I, when I trolled was, the I don't eyes know, the fire. I don't,
1: I don't know, I don't know if the ages match up. Like, I, I don't get the impression that John and Mira
0: are the same age. No, I think Mira um, is much younger than John. Right, at least visually, that's what it looks like. She could but, be, because, because they're kind of like the frog people. They could be a little bit, uh, hard to age. Right, but, you know, that isn't the craziest theory I've heard. And, if you want to get on board with, you
1: know, any scenario where Tyrion isn't one of the three Dragon Riders, just because I think that's a cop out, honestly, I I, I don't know of a better one, hmm. right? Can okay. you think of a Can you think of a better replacement theory? Like, who else would it be?
0: Uh, I well, just someone I would like to see. This won't happen. I just love Jamie. <laughs> I just like. Oh, I just like Jamie Lannister. I'm just saying.
1: Murf Murph almost made an error and he recovered. If uh, he was still on the match that would have been an error. But oh, 100 percent. was. Because Drupal wasn't running. 100%. So, so
0: I, I think, just, just to end this, because we're, we're hitting an hour here, and I have uh, some video games to play tonight. Uh,
1: <laughs> we told ourselves this would be a 30-minute podcast. Yeah, we was right? like,
0: well, 25 minutes, whatever. This has been a good one, though. I liked it. Um, right. Yeah, that's that's my throw the spitwad against
1: the wall and see what sticks. I, okay. I, I think that one's interesting. I think Mira being of relation to John. I think we might um, see a
0: book character reveal that has not happened next week. With yeah, you you guys, you know, there are a bunch of you talking about that, and yeah.
1: I, I honestly had no idea what you guys were talking about.
0: Yeah, he's a big character in the books, has not been in the show yet, and we'll see. So uh, that's my that's uh, my prediction. Did you know the Orioles traded Brian Mattis to the Braves today? No, I did not. I did. I had no idea. Why did he go to is the Braves? Alert? I I don't know. Brian Mattis is like is, interesting. Is he hurt? A, he's an interesting reliever. Is he hurt? I don't know. It's very strange. Brian Matt is actually a cousin of someone who went to high school with me, so I'm like two degrees huh. from him. In case you are wondering.
1: Are the Braves, Braves going to try and stretch him out into a
0: starter again? Like, Why are the Braves trading for a reliever? I think they just try and get any asset they think has value if they can get it for cheap. Which yeah, I, don't, but I don't hate if you're a shitty team. I guess, but that one, I'm going to
1: have to do some reading into that one when we get off of this. but. Yeah, so that's my Game of Thrones theory of the day, which I found very interesting, that Mira may be a Targaryen.
0: Interesting. All right, you know what? Uh, These next couple weeks, maybe we'll do a Game of Thrones segment. I kind of like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure.
1: I I mean, I think my opinion's interesting because I am strictly just a show watcher, and I am a show watcher that... Mix up names for people because there are just too many.
0: And I know uh, a little bit m- way more than you, and uh, <laughs> we'll keep it that way. Well, I think I think that's I think that's a good mix because
1: you can tell me that this mirror theory is crazy.
0: It's a little um, crazy, only because the age difference from what I know, and uh, I guess is, is there a clear is there a clear age like the book makes it a clear age difference. Well, Halland Reed I think has his kids when he goes back, yeah. so
1: I think what he what... right, but I mean. My whole thing is like. It's not you know, his kid. John, okay, I, I get it. Yeah, like if John's end of the story is a lie, then could Reed not stash a kid somewhere else? Uh, I'm just saying, like, there's a no, there are enough questions still available about what happens in the Tower of Joy where I don't think it's crazy to say Mira and John are. We better not find related. out what happens
0: in the Tower of Joy this season, or I will throw a hissy fit. That's all I'll say. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway this week. This has been a fun episode. We've hit on most sports, and uh, we've talked about culture and uh, food a little bit, and we pumped Blue Apron, and it's still not sponsored. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah,
1: we're, we're killing it. We're killing it. And my phone is at uh, 8%, so we did it.
0: We did it, man. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. We'll talk about some uh, what's going on in Rangerland, whatever happens this week, probably not too much. We'll talk about NHL playoffs. Maybe we'll have a guest.
1: Ha, 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 ha. McCabe, we're calling you out hard. We're calling you.
0: you out, Kaylee. Miss McCabe. All right. Uh, we'll see you later, buddy. Goodbye. Bye, buddy. Bye.